Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest And a very good morning to you as we welcome you along to Wednesday's edition of the programme with Bernie sitting in for John Paul. So she's taking your calls at 1850-333-103 and I can already see texts coming into us at 0862-103-103 with a reminder you can only text us the WhatsApp is still out of action at the moment and you can email Patricia at c103.ie. Pensions have really sort of raised their ugly head. Certainly for the politicians they've reared their ugly head and they've become a big, big talking point in this general election. And the Irish Independent today decided to take a look at all of the TDs that are retiring. And there are 17 TDs retiring. Now, I don't know. There might be somebody listening to us who's big into political analysis and keeping an eye on general elections and would know is it only me or is this, an, is there an awful lot of TDs deciding to retire? Now, some of them are kind of at the age of expecting them to retire, but others are, are certainly retiring early. I don't ever remember there being 17. Now, maybe there has been in the past, but because there's so much of a focus on pensions, there's now a focus on the fact that we have 17 sitting TDs who've decided not to run for election. What does that mean? It means they're going to get a pension and they will share, the 17 will share in an estimated pension Bonanza of 22 million euro between them. Now, some of the big names retiring are the likes of Enda Kenny, Michael Noonan, and Jerry Adams, and they're all entitled to this massive golden handshake and substantial pensions after they step down from the election. And there's a breakdown of the 17, and there are one, two, three, four, five five will be getting the top pension, which are pension pots worth anything from 3.2 million. That's if you were to go out and buy it in the in the private sector. But what does it mean? It means a lump sum of 140,000 euro and then an annual pension of 46,800 euro. There are many people going to work who are not even earning anything near 46,800 euro. The top pensions are going to the likes of Enda Kenny is getting that top one. So is Sean Barrett, uh, Michael Noonan. They're all with the Fine Gael party, but within the Sinn Féin party. Uh, Quivino Quaylon will be getting the very same pension pot, lump sum of 140,000 and an annual pension of 46,800. 
as will Willie Penrose of Labour. He's also up there getting one of the top pensions. And then kind of the next level down is a pension pot that is worth over a million euro. They will get a lump sum of €126,359 and an annual pension of 42120 Again, I would have to say there are people who don't earn anything near €42,000 a year and that's what these guys and gals will be getting uh, as an annual pension. And they include John DC from Fine Gael, Martin Ferris from Sinn Féin will be picking up that pension pot as well. The independent Finian McGrath, who I think when he decided to retire, that did, that came as a little bit of a shock. And then lower down again with a pension pot that's valued at over a half a million. It means a lump sum of €63,179. That's kind of the golden handshake. And then an annual pension of €21,060, seen as a more modest pension for sure. Within the Fine Gael party, uh, Dara Murphy will be getting that pension even though he's gone on to have a nice little job over in Europe. Tony McLaughlin of Fine Gael. I'm not sure Tony McLaughlin is to be sure. And our own Jim Daly in West Cork gets that pension pot as does uh, Jerry. Is Jerry Adams in on that one? He is. Jerry Adams getting 63,000 by way of golden handshake with an annual pension of €21,060 as will another one of our own Jonathan O'Brien in Cork he's getting that level of pension who else John Halligan one of the independents walks away with a pension of 21000 and a handshake of 63000 as does Brendan Ryan of the Labour Party and just looking down through the, is there no one there's no one on that list from Fianna Fáil so do we take it no one from Fianna Fáil has decided to uh, retire uh, as, as I say it'll just annoy people but when you see it in print and you see the amount of money that these people are getting while there is this huge public anger out there and it really is starting to grow over the plans to increase the age of the state pension from 66 to 67 and that kicks in as and from next year. Now all of the various parties are all coming up with policies and what they say they will do if they get into power. For example, the Taoiseach Lear Varadkar, he's saying that they're going to introduce a transitional pension. Bit of debate as to how much that transitional pension is going to be. Will it be the same as the state pension or will it be less? Uh, Only time will tell. Fianna Fáil also promising to have this transitional payment which they say will match the state pension for those waiting for the payment. I can't understand it if it's going to be the same price. Why would you not just give them the pension completely at 65? Sinn Féin, they're saying they've, they've pledged to reduce it if they get into power. They will reduce the pension back to 65 while the Labour Party are saying that if they get into power that they will they will stop it increasing to 65. So that means they leave the status quo as is. They leave it at, you retire at 65 and then you get your pension at, at 66. And while all that is going on, it's also emerged that the public sector workers are not affected by the pension age change because they receive what is a substitute payment between when they retire and, by the way, they can retire early and when the state pension kicks in. It's exactly the same amount. While the private sector workers, they're forced to sign on from job seekers' benefit if they retire before the age of 66. And, of course, a lot of private sector workers are forced to retire at uh, 66. Pension experts are saying that the public servants have managed to insulate 
themselves from this decision to reach the state pension age. And when you dig down deeper, it's saying how have they managed to do this? Seemingly, according to the Department of Public Expenditure, the arrangement for this supplementary pension for those civil servants and those in the public sector was introduced 25 years ago. It was introduced back in 1995 when it was agreed that future entrants to the public service will pay the full PRSI and the contributory state pension will be fully integrated with their overall pension entitlements. So it was an agreement that was made 25 years ago and of course nobody knew anything about it and now it's all coming out because people now are starting to wake up and realise I'm close to pension age. Oh my goodness, I'm not going to get what I thought I was going to get. And there's a really good piece written by Charlie Weston in the Irish Independent today where he's looking particularly at the private work. He's like he It's under a headline of the private sector workers are hung out to dry as the taxpayers are going to fund the public sector. And he says, no wonder many in the private sector feel there is a pensions apartheid situation at play here with gold-plated public sector pensions on the one side, largely paid for out of taxes. And most in the private sector do not even have a works pension. So would be entirely dependent on the state pension. And now they're going to have to wait to get the state pension for a few more years. It seems most unfair. And I think a lot of people will agree with that. And we're already getting calls and texts in on this issue. It is thanks to the Fine Gael Labour Coalition that we have to wait two years longer, says Anthony. And it's not funny when you're involved in work on a building site, very physical labour. One thing at the moment that bothers me though, says Anthony, is that the roaming allowance that TDs are still getting when roaming charges are gone. This is typical greed and if it was the ordinary Joe public it would be classed as fraud. That's coming in from Anthony. Colum and Butterman said the free phone allowance was taken away from the elderly and even this year they didn't get the extra five euro that's normally given out in the budget. Uh, We all have to remember all of the promises that they make this is what politicians make over the year, years and many of those promises have and can be broken. Plus, people were led to believe that everybody over the age of 70 was entitled to a medical card and that we won that battle. But Colin wants to point out we didn't win that battle because not everyone over the age of 70 is entitled to a medical card because it is means tested. And unfortunately, Colin is just a few euro over the limit so he's not entitled to a medical card and he has several medical conditions so he really, really could do with a medical card. And breathe in Glanmire says if you are 65 in February of this year do you have to wait until you're 66 to get a pension? Absolutely that's the system that's in play at the moment but if you from the 1st of January as is from the 1st of January next year once you hit 65 you're going to have to wait until you're 67 and if you were born in a certain year I think it's after to the 1st of January 1961 you're going to have to wait until you're 68 to receive your pension. So yes, Breather, if you're coming up to 65 next month then you will be waiting until you are 66 to receive your pension. Also, why says Catherine, why don't they make, why, why does the government not make the pension age optional at 65? I reckon it would all balance out and Catherine's suggestion would be people that are in jobs that are able to stay on at work or perhaps would like to stay on at work. They could stay on and work while those that are doing the heavy work, the heavy lifting, 
a need to retire at 65, then let them retire and give them the pension and let the people who are in, I'm slow to say cushier numbers, but I know what you're saying, jobs that are not so physical, let them stay on, particularly if it's something that they would like to uh, do. 1850 And Dennis says, Patricia, in what was the 2011 general election, 35 to 40 TDs retired, uh, about 20 of them a Fianna Fáil. OK, all right. I just don't seem to remember as much focus going on the retired TDs. And maybe, as I say, it's to do with the fact that it's the pensions and the amount they're getting on the pensions that there is so much focus on it this year. So thank you for that, Dennis. I knew there'd be somebody out there who kind of follows all those all of the elections and I, I'm always amazed by people that is ahead for all of the figures and can tell you about different elections and what way swings went etc and obviously our Dennis is one of those guys thank you for that uh, Dennis now we will discuss pensions on the programme today and talking about why it has become such an election issue and we'll be talking about that after 11 o'clock today on the programme. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to be speaking about nursing homes. They seem now to be coming under pressure to access insurance. And it seems one of the main insurance providers for nursing homes has decided to step out of the Irish market. So we'll be talking about what are the implications and are we in danger of losing some of our nursing homes? And God knows we need every nursing home that we have already in the country because of the amount of people that end up being stuck in a hospital bed that need to get a nursing home and there's no nursing home beds available for them. So we'll find out about that on the programme today. The National Council for the Blind are giving a warning to all candidates who are erecting election posters. Be careful where you're putting up your posters, please. And a group who are hoping to set a new national record for the most tractors in one place and they're hoping to do it in West Cork next August. We have all of the details today. Day. And we're also going to speak about the latest Coast Watch survey, which is showing a decrease in drinks containers on our coasts. And it gives me great faith and hope that the message is finally getting through. Bernie's taking your calls, 1850-333-103, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. A reminder to you that today is the last day if you want to register in order to vote in the election on Saturday, February the 8th. If your name does not appear on checktheregister.ie, simply means you're not registered uh, to vote. So you need to get working, get moving today, close the business today in order to register to get on the supplementary register. You download and fill in a form which is called the RFA2 form. It's available, by the way, on checktheregister.ie. So print it off, fill it in. Then you need to get that form signed and witnessed at a guard the station and then completed forms need to be returned to your local city uh, our county council office by close of business today. Now yesterday we were led to believe that County Hall was going to remain open late this evening in order to accept applications for the Cork County Register of Electors but I've been contacted by the Communications Department to say the information we had yesterday unfortunately was incorrect. The deadline for receipt of applications is close of business today which is 6pm most some because um, most of the local authority offices close at five. County Hall actually closes at six. So you have until six o'clock today to hand in your completed forms. It won't be remaining. We were led to believe that it was going to remain open for a couple of hours after that into the evening time, but it's not. So six o'clock today, if you want to register to get your name on the supplementary register so that you will be able to vote in the upcoming general election. So check the register.ie. If you're not there, download that RFA1 form 
get it to your guard the station, get it stamped, get it signed and get it back in either to City Hall or to County Hall by close of business today. 1850 333 103 lines open. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now last week it was announced that the nursing home sector will be hit by the decision of a leading insurer to stop offering a liability to cover to businesses. To explain more, I'm joined by Ty Daly, who's the Chief Executive of Nursing Homes Ireland. Good morning to you, Ty. Good morning, Patricia. Now, can you outline why Liberty Insurance has decided to exit the Irish market? What's their reasoning behind it? Well, I suppose it's for Liberty to to explain their their decision, but I suppose the whole area of insurance and insurance reform is very high on the agenda uh, for many sectors over a long number of months, uh, or years at this point, including including nursing homes. In in effect, uh, Liberty Insurance are exiting all commercial lines, so it's it's not just nursing homes. So what they're concentrating on is on their their motor uh, and personal lines business. So... um, I mean, obviously, it's a business decision by, by Liberty, uh, but we've seen over the last couple of years, we're members in Nursing Homes Ireland of the Alliance for Insurance Reform, uh, which is campaigning for uh, reform of the whole insurance, um, the claims, uh, rebalancing of the duty of care, and the introduction of, of the Garda Fraud Squad to deal with uh, fraudulent claims. So, Because we've seen in the nursing home sector uh, premiums continuing to rise um, over a, a long number of years. We, we, we undertook a study by Jim Power, the economist, a number of years ago, and the actual increase in insurance premium over a six-year period was 136%. Uh, so they're, they're unsustainable figures. And is, is that, have you many more claims? Or are, you, are they just deemed high risk? Uh, no, well, I suppose we would argue that the nursing home sector, because it's so highly regulated, as we've spoken of before, uh, in respect of, of HICWA, for example, and indeed other regulators like the Workplace Relations Commission or indeed the Environmental Health, that the nursing home sector is is, is a safer bet, if you like. Than ever it was. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, uh, that's confirmed by HICWA inspection reports. The, you know, the, the high level of compliance in the sector is much, much higher. But obviously, like, like many businesses and indeed, you know, uh, I see charities and, and play centres and all of those and, and uh, leisure centres. You know, we do live in a litigious culture, yeah, I suppose, yeah. if you like, and litigation is, 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 a, is a big, big issue. So the nursing home sector will be no different to any other sector in terms of, of public liability and employer's liability. Uh, but in terms of its, its, its claims, um, because of the, the, the high regulatory environment, uh, it would be much better, I would have thought. And award levels, of course, in this country, five times higher than England and Wales. I mean, that is a huge problem. And that is the issue, ultimately. I mean, you know, I know there's been some public discourse over the last number of months between uh, the insurers and the legal profession and indeed uh, Iraqis around legislation. So we do need to tackle the whole area of insurance broadly. Um, not just uh, for, 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 for nursing homes, obviously, but the point we were making last week is that in the nursing home sector, it is unique because the the fee rate is, is actually set by the state uh, in terms of the, the fair deal. Um, so any movements in your cost base in the middle of, a, of an agreement with the state has a, you know, a detrimental impact on your, on, on your bottom line. Um, so it is threatening the sustainability of nursing homes and it will... Uh, require a, a higher um, payment under fair deals. So, and do nursing home providers have many other insurers that they can turn to? Yes, uh, I, I mean prior to the decision of Liberty, we understood there was three three underwriters, uh, as it were, uh, in 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 the sector. So 
uh, it would be different to the childcare sector where I think they, in December you probably had some discussions on that where it was down to one underwriter. We did, yeah. Um, yeah. So there are three in the sector, uh, but, but with the with the exit of Liberty, uh, it's now down to two, and I suppose that raises a concern uh, that you know less competition. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, prices will start to go up. Correct. Mean, 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 means higher premiums. So um, you know the national sector is under, I suppose. Uh, under sustained, you know, uh, cost pressures, uh, commercial rates has has increased over the last number of years. Obviously, you know, the the staffing cost has has increased. It's highly labour intensive, so all of these, uh, you know, cost increases will have a detrimental am- impact on the sector uh, at a time when we, uh, as, as as you and I know, need the capacity of the sector given the challenges in our in our acute hospitals. The last thing we need in the nursing home sector uh, is closures of beds or indeed closures of entire facilities. And I'm not saying for a second that that's imminent, um, but I think we do need to look at the bigger picture when all of these things, uh, when all of these things happen, uh, given that we have an, an aging population. We need to be supporting the nursing home sector. And we were, I suppose, encouraged, if you like, uh, by the uh, intervention of the Minister for Children and Youth Affairs in December. Uh, and the point we were making was that, you know, the precedent has been uh, established in terms of, of government supporting a sector which is almost entirely dependent on state on state income, and that needs to be replicated in the nursing home sector. Have you heard anything back from your request for a ba- for you're not calling it a bailout, but no, I, I, and I know the minister was at pains to say to the creche owners that it wasn't a bailout either. But uh, but I, have you had anything back? No, I mean at the moment what they're saying is there are established processes, but yeah, yes, there are established processes, but what that means is that, you know if there is increased. Uh, weekly fees under the fair deal. That means that there's an increase required in the in the fair deal budget, uh, and the budget is a feature of government. So the government can turn around on one hand and say, you know, it's not our problem, um, and we can't do anything about it. Uh, not alone can they do anything about it. It is their responsibility to do something about it because they, uh, through the fair deal scheme, through the statutory scheme of support for people, they are the ones who fund, uh, in effect, nursing home care. So when when costs rise, uh, then there has to be. Uh, yeah, because because that project. largely sets the income going into a nursing Ab- home. Absolutely, in, yeah. in, its, in its entirety. So there, there there is a you know responsibility, and you know look every sector would say they're under pressure, but there is a uniqueness uh, around the nursing home sector, uh, which is mirrored in the childcare sector, uh, given the fact that the state is 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 the uh, is the majority purchaser, if you like, or commissioner uh, of care. So. Um, I mean, for many members, uh, I suppose it, it came out of the blue because we weren't aware of it in advance. Um, and it depends, obviously, on when their when their insurance renewal uh, comes up. But it is a further concern in an already uh, an already challenged uh, nursing home environment. Okay, all right, we we'll leave it there. We'll no doubt we'll talk again, Tig. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you for the Good morning to you. Good morning, well, good morning to you, Tig Daly, who's chief executive of Nursing Homes Ireland. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three on a completely different issue. Mary says, Patricia, would you give a shout out to Blackwater Metal Recycling in Bohabwe? These guys collected my old car, gave me top dollar, and they also donate five euro from every car. They they collect in Cork City and County to the Cork Simon community. Such a generous idea and really nice guys to deal with. Thanking you, uh, Mary. So big shout out to Blackwater Metal Recycling in Bohawi. And while we're doing the shout outs, can I give a shout out to somebody I'm told is a very regular listener to the programme and a regular texter to the programme and we love getting you texting. And that's Pauline in Douglas and I'm told it's Pauline's birthday today. Her daughter was on asking would I wish her all the best. So happy birthday Pauline in Douglas. Cork 
today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now, we've been talking this week about election posters with warnings yesterday from the ESB networks to candidates not to erect posters on electricity poles as they can and have gone on fire. The National Council for the Blind is also warning candidates to be careful when they put where they put election posters and Kevin Kelly is Head of Advocacy at the National Council for the Blind and he joins me to explain why. Good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome to the programme. Now, your warning is about election posters being hung too low, I'm assuming. Explain the problems it can cause. Okay, so for people who are blind and vision impaired, they're facing a real problem during this election campaign and in previous elections where candidates and political parties are hanging posters below the legal uh, requirement. Uh, So the legal requirement for posters is to be 2.1 metres above the ground, which is uh, 7 foot for your uh, listeners. But unfortunately, a number of our uh, service users have encountered posters that are much lower than that. And I'm sure your listeners can probably... uh, but uh, as they drive this morning, uh, posters that are much uh, lower than that uh, around Cork. And if you're somebody who's blind and vision uh, impaired, uh, regardless of whether you're using a cane uh, or a guide dog, you're unable to detect uh, overhanging uh, obstacles, which an election poster would be. So it means that you uh, end up uh, colliding with the election poster, generally at uh, face uh, height, resulting in cuts and scrapes. And yes, it's very sore. Yeah, because a lot of them are that very kind of corrugated plastic almost. A lot of them can be because they, you know, they're very durable so that they last for the three weeks in, in the lead up to the election. And and I think probably what the what I think is the problem with it is that the first candidate to get the poster in will have it at the 2.1 metre. But then somebody decides to put a poster below the other candidates. Isn't that what seems to be happening? This becomes a premium uh, as more uh, candidates uh come uh, on board and some people are out of the traps uh, quite early and get their uh, poster up near the top of the pole but then gradually uh, they creep uh, down the pole and that causes a serious uh, hazard uh, for people who are blind and vision impaired. So I suppose in the NCBI we're asking uh, candidates and their party uh, workers to be a bit more responsible and think about the 55,000 people who are living with uh, sight loss uh, in Ireland when they are erecting their poster and you mentioned at the top of the piece about the ESB issuing a very serious uh, warning. Uh, We just feel that it's something that uh, we need to look at and examine because election posters, every time there is an election, there is a debate whether we should continue their practice of erecting election posters. And generally that debate uh, is around environmental uh, reasons or they're not very aesthetically pleasing and they spoil uh, some of our very scenic uh, uh, landscapes. But on safety grounds, we're beginning uh, to believe that uh, this should be banned uh, for that reason if the rules in the electoral law are not going to be uh, obeyed. So an outright ban, you're saying? Yes. If there's no enforcement uh, of the uh, the, the electoral uh, rules uh, and uh, candidates and parties continue to flout uh, the law on safety grounds, uh, we believe it would be an appropriate uh, course of action because it can be difficult uh, for your listeners perhaps uh, to appreciate. But if you're uh, blind or uh, vision impaired and I have personal experience of uh, this, it takes a lot of... Uh, 
effort and you have to pluck up a lot of courage, particularly in the early days of sight loss, to go out in the boat and uh, look at uh, uh, on your travels. And if you're walking into uh, election posters, that dense uh, your confidence. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I can I can fully un- understand that. And it just and then the very fact that you're that it's happened to you once, you then when you're going out, you're going to be nervous that it's going to happen again. Yes, you are indeed. And uh, like candidates and their workers, they probably aren't aware. They're not thinking about it, uh, which is completely understandable. So that's why we felt it was important uh, to get the uh, message uh, out there. And uh, it crops up every time. There was a particular uh, problem uh, last uh, May during the local elections because there are a lot more uh, candidates uh, competing uh, for space uh, on polls. But it is an issue um, in the uh, general election and we have had service users uh, contact us this week, so hence why we issued the warning. Hold on, hold on. And you say you, you, it's happened to you as well, yourself. You've walked into some of these election posters. Yeah, thank God. Uh, not so far in uh, this campaign, but uh, back in the uh, local elections, I would be uh, a guide dog uh, user and uh, just be going along minding my own business. I'm quite a tall guy, so I'm six foot uh, one, so... Uh, I end up uh, creating these posters at face height. And as you said yourself, they are kind of plasticky. Yeah. Plasticky and sharp corner does uh, strip uh, your face. Um, I know one other uh, individual uh, who is blind who got the corner of it into their eye, which increases the pain. So that's why we're just asking people to be a bit more uh, uh, conscious and to think about the needs of others and not purely about getting their face recognised during the uh, campaign. And were you able, um, Kevin, to complain about the particular ones that you had a run-in with? We you, we would encourage all of our uh, service users to uh, um, contact uh, the candidate and uh, the individual. That particular uh, candidate uh, that was running in the local elections, I did uh, contact him uh, myself uh, personally and the poster was removed within an hour and they were very uh, apologetic. I imagine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, we would encourage the service users to contact the candidates uh, if they do encounter a problem and also uh, contact the uh, local authority uh, because they are responsible uh, yeah, yeah. during the period for the upholding of the electoral law. And as you say, there are laws and there's, there's rules and regulations. And I know you've got another, at the NCBI, you've got a couple of actions that you want the next government uh, to introduce. Uh, what is an interesting one? The eye clinic liaison officer. Explain what you mean by that and why that role is important. Eye clinic uh, liaison officers um, are uh, experts uh, who would be situated in uh, ophthalmology uh, departments right around the country. We have uh, been in fortunate position to uh, trial it uh, throughout uh, 2019 in the uh, matter and in uh, Temple Street. So basically when somebody receives uh, a diagnosis of sight loss uh, with the uh, consultant, they'll come out and they'll meet uh, this member of uh, NCBI uh, staff and they will talk to them, provide them with initial emotional uh, support and then refer them back into uh, our services uh, kind of start their rehabilitative uh, journey. We developed this uh, concept because from from speaking to uh, service users and looking at uh, referrals, uh, some people were receiving an initial uh, diagnosis and it might be two or three years before they come in contact uh, with ourselves 
And in that period of time, these people are really struggling to do very practical day-to-day tasks unnecessarily. So we think it's just very important that uh, people, uh, when they get a, a diagnosis, that they are re- referred into services uh, much quicker than is uh, happening currently. Okay, well done, well done. And you want better accessibility on public transport yes, for visually impaired? Uh, yeah, public transport uh, is a significant uh, challenge for people uh, with disabilities. People who are blind and vision impaired are totally dependent on public transport to go about their uh, daily business because they cannot uh, drive. And whilst there has been strides uh, made uh, in recent times to uh, improve public transport, there is a number of challenges out there. So we're calling on the next uh, government, who they, whoever that may be, to fully uh, implement uh, Joint Oireachtas uh, uh, Committee's uh, report uh, that was uh, published in late uh, 2018. And those recommendations uh, were uh, followed to resolve a lot of uh, the issues that uh, remain for people uh, who are blind, vision impaired but accessing public transport. Okay, well, good luck with those uh, issues, Kevin. And hopefully candidates listening will heed that great warning and uh, great interview. Thank you for that. Uh, I enjoyed our chat and thanks for joining us on the programme. Cheers. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. 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 That is Kevin Kelly, Head of Advocacy at the National Council for the Blind. I mentioned that Pauline in Douglas is having a birthday today and her daughter was on. She's a regular listener of the programme. I wanted me to say happy birthday and I did. And lo and behold, Pauline in League, who's a regular listener to the programme, has texted, it's my birthday tomorrow. So we're getting in early with this one. Happy birthday to the other Pauline, this time in League. Well, Seamus in Skibbereen Town has just been on to us to say that the water coming out of the taps in his home, he describes us as disgusting. Scullered. So he did the right thing. He got onto Irish water to say, Oi, something going on here. Can you tell us, please, what's happening? And they say that they've no ongoing works in the area because usually, if there's any kind of works going on, there'll be a disturbance and some of the water will be discoloured and then it eventually uh, clears. But Irish water say, No, sorry, we're not doing anything in the area. So they can't explain why the water coming from Seamus's taps in Skibbereen Town is discoloured. So he's gone on to us to see, is it just isolated to where he's living? Does anybody else, are anybody else having problems with their water in the Skibbereen Town area? Turn on your taps if you haven't already done it and just take a look. Pour it into a clear glass is the best because sometimes if you fill in the kettle you might realise it's even discoloured. But if you put it into a clear glass you'd definitely be able to see. So if anybody can let us know in the Skibbereen area What's going on? According to Seamus, his water is discoloured. And thank you to Marion Mallow, who was on to say she got a call on her mobile phone from an 051 number and it came up that it's Carrick and Shore and Waterford and yes 051 is the is Waterford and certainly would cover uh, Carrick and Shore. An Indian man offering her a tax rebate of €700 euro and looking for her bank details and obviously she realised straight away it was some kind of a scam so she hung up. But I, I'm really taken aback Mary if you could get back on to Bernie and just give us the full number because if it's on your mobile you'll have a record of the full number and we'll see we won't be able to do it while we're on air but certainly this afternoon I'll see if I can do a bit of investigation to find out where that number and how they're generating an 051 a Waterford number because it came up on the phone because if you have a smartphone it'll tell you where the call is coming from and that's why you know when they're coming from 
African countries or anywhere abroad, you know straight away it's a scam and, you, and you're able to not even take the call. But that would throw you. I mean, I think if a, if a number came up on my phone from Waterford, Carrick and Shore, I think somebody's trying to contact me and I would answer it and you could easily get sucked in. So, so Mary, if you can just get back on to Bernie and give us the full number if you haven't already done it and I certainly will look into it this afternoon for you. But be aware of that. Gentleman with an Indian accent and look, offering a tax rebate of 700 euro wouldn't we all have a tax rebate of 700 euro says you 1850 333 103 anybody else had a similar call to that let us know please on the pension age a lot of people still very annoyed about this Joe is in Mitchellstown he's 64 so he is due to retire next year not happy with this new retirement age that he won't pick up his state pension he oh you're one of the ones that's just cost Joe you won't get your state pension until you are uh, 67 and you see when when this decision was announced, it was back in 2011, so nearly 10 years ago. You'd have been only in your early to mid 50s, Joe. So somebody talking about retirement age, you know, when you're in your early 50s, you're not even thinking about retirement. It's kind of something that's going to happen. Oh, you think way, way away. And before you know it, you're 64. You're a year away from retirement, only to discover that you could be two years as is. If it stays as is, you'll be two years signing on for job seekers before you can actually pick up your state pension. And so I can... I can sense your anger, uh, Joe, by your phone call today. And Jer is in Yall and she's on a widow's pension of €205 per week. She wants to know why is the widow's pension so much less than the old age pension? The old age pension is probably another €45, isn't it, on top of that? It's nearly the €250 mark. She's the very same bills. She's the very same expenses as an old age pensioner would have. Now, she is coming up to pension age and she's hoping that she will be getting more money per week. But she's only been working full time for the past 20 years. So she doesn't know yet how much her old age pension will actually be. She's worried about the pension age being increased as well. Well, yeah, you're going to, I don't know when you're due, when you're going to be 65, but you're certainly going to have to wait until you're 67 if it's any, if it's after the 1st of January next year. And then we know the way they calculate old age pensions has changed before. People as rite of passage would get the full old age pension, but they've certainly changed that in uh, recent years. And Paddy Amalo says we have an ageing population. Why? Because our youth were forced out of this country to find work because politicians couldn't get their heads together and provide decent jobs for the young people and that's why we're heading into this pension time bomb, uh, Paddy Fields. Well, it is one of the issues that we're going to have more older people than younger people out at work sustaining the pot that the pensions come out of. But the other problem, Paddy, it's got, and it's got nothing to do with young people emigrating, is to do with the fact that we're living longer, which is terrific. We're living healthier lives and therefore we're living longer. I mean, I was reading a piece yesterday, you know, about how old age pensions first came, you know, when they, they were first introduced. And Germany was the first country to introduce them. And at the time when Germany introduced them, not, mu- m- not much of the population were living up to 65. So there's only a small cohort of people who actually lived old enough to take the pension. And we would have been the same here. We would have had people reaching the age, but would have, you know, within a few years, probably getting their old age pension, they've died. It's nothing now for people to live well into their 80s and into their 90s. And it's terrific. And long may that continue. And we would all like to think and like to hope that when we get to retirement age, that we're going to have a good number of years uh, and good healthy years drawing your state pension. Uh, but of course, we know that there's not, there will not be enough workers in 
lower down to pay for all of the people that will be retired and living these happy, healthy lives. So you we can't you can't just say it's to do with the amount of people that have left this country because a lot of those people have come back as well. 1850-333-103. What else is coming in? There is a burst pike in the Mardike Park. We'll be back at four this evening. So somebody, I don't have any more details um, on that. If I can get more, I will bring it to you. On insurance costs that we've spoken about, Sandy says insurance premiums and claims. While businesses are quick to blame cost of legitimate claims and they want laws introduced, I've yet to hear anybody asking the government to outlaw payments to criminals getting injured during burglaries, trespass or trying to avoid arrest. Outlaw claims by drunks, drunk drivers and more importantly force criminals to pay for injuries, property damage and their period of incarceration where there will be a lot of changes there pay people, make people if they go to jail they have to cover the cost of that period of incarceration People, uh, Patricia we are having problems funding hospitals says this texter, houses and pensions while public funds are being used to generously reward retiring TDs I am not sure how they sleep at night knowing how they have failed those who have voted for for them says, says this text it would be interesting to subject each and every TD to a pensioner's budget for just one week. I'd love to see how they would cope living on a state pension. Hi, Patricia. This is Martin in Formoy. I'm listening to you read out texts from listeners who are a bit bewildered and baffled by the fact that politicians will come to their door and make promises and then we won't see or hear from them again and they break the promises that they make at the door. Well, Patricia, I've got a solution to everybody's problems. Simply don't vote. If the whole country decided not to go out and vote, I wonder what would happen. I bet we'd have a better country than what we have now. We all make the same mistakes every election by voting in the same people, says Martin in for Moy. Well, you see, we have a democracy. That's why we get out and vote. There's no point saying don't vote. I'm I'm the opposite. I say to everybody, get out and, and vote. And if you're not happy with the people that you elected last time, they don't make the same mistakes. Don't vote for the same person. Vote for somebody else. And I think we're changing in this country. There was a time where you always kind of followed the party line. Now, there will always be party activists and people who can only vote for Sinn Féin. People can only vote for Fianna Fáil or Labour or just Fianna Gael households and they'll, you know, they won't vote for anyone else. But I think, you know, I think I think times are changing. I think people now are more focused on the candidate. How good is the candidate for the area? If they have had a track record, what have they done for the area? And I think if people are not doing what they promised to do and they don't work for the area, I think they won't get voted back in and they don't get voted back in. I think there has been a bit of a shift. But no, I completely disagree with you, Martin, in saying don't go out and vote. I mean, if we don't go out and vote, then we don't live in a democracy. I mean, we don't want a dictatorship. We don't want to put somebody in and say, right, you run the country and nobody has any say in it. This is our chance. Every four to five years, we have a chance to make a change. And again, if you say, you know, we're always voting for, for the same kind, we need to encourage people that we think can make a difference 
to put their names onto a ballot paper. And, you know, I know people give out about politicians all the time and today is the last day that they have to put their names forward. They still are very, very brave people and there isn't any other job where every four to five years you get voted on to see if you're going to keep your job or not. 1850-333-103. And hi, Patricia. This is something completely different. I was out in my car in Clonakilty town yesterday and this listener says, I was hit by a wall of noxious foul air. It was about five o'clock yesterday evening. The cause was smoky coal. Coupled with the rush hour traffic, this poisonous air was, I felt, was really bad. Now, I do live in a rural area, so I don't have to breathe that day in, day out. Uh, and I accept that it only happens in the coldest months of the year. I'm not trying to sing, single single out the town of Clon because I think that's a fine town and no doubt it's the same in all other towns and cities. The smoky coal really should be banned and we need to ban, ban it nationwide. How do others feel? You're describing that it was almost like smog-like conditions. There has been lots of talk about banning smoky coal and there's a lot of people in favour of it. There's a lot of people against it and there's been bans on smoky coal. I mean, it's been in Dublin for many, many years and it certainly has changed the air quality in Dublin. Are we now at a stage where we need to do it nationwide? According to this listener, they found it very offensive when in Clonakilty yesterday. Anybody else noticing around that time when all the fires are starting to be lit? I suppose we haven't had a very, very cold spell. So maybe not as many people are lighting fires as they would do if, you know, if we had a, a big a big freeze. Not that anybody is looking for a big freeze. Bernie is taking your calls. By the way, lines have been busy, so our apologies if you haven't been able to get through today. But do keep trying, 1850-333-103. And you can also text the programme. No WhatsApping at the moment. We're still trying to sort out the problems there. But you can text to 0862 103103 103 or email Patricia at C103.ie C103 Jobs With Hewitt College now enrolling for full-time fifth and sixth year and repeat Leaving Cert programmes Your success is built on their experience See HewittCollege.ie An Arctic truck driver is wanted for a full-time position that's in the Tivoli area A valid CE licence please Apprenticed plasterers wanted on job experience in college-based released blocks who must be over the age of 16. Health assistants wanted for a full-time position in Chuck Alter Nursing Home. That's in Newmarket. And the Park Hotel in Clonakilty. They've got a number of vacancies available. They are looking for applicants for assistant restaurant manager, accommodation manager, night porter, accommodation porter and food and beverage assistants. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, as we've been mentioning, pensions have gone centre stage as an election issue over the last few days, with all of the political parties scrambling to address voter concerns. Joining me to outline the background to all of this is Anne Dempsey, who is the communications manager with uh, Senior... Oh, she was there and now she's gone. I'll go back out to Bernie to get Anne Dempsey. We lost Anne there. Um, okay, we're going to. Well, let's wait for Anne to uh, come through. Let me see some of your calls uh, coming in on this. John in Ballyclaw says this is on old age pensioners who retire at sixty five and then don't get the pension until they're sixty six. 
but for a year they're on job seekers. John says you're only allowed to sign on for social welfare for nine months. So when you retire, the final three months of it is means tested. And if you have saved. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Things you're told to live on that, which seems really, really unfair. Now, Anne Dempsey, I'm told, is back with me. Uh, good morning, Anne. Good morning, we, we, Sorry about that. That's okay. We got cut off. That's fine. Now, we need, I, I was saying that in my introduction piece that we've invited you to join us just to talk about the background to all of this. We need to go back to 2011, don't we, when the decision was taken to increase the age that people can access the state pension. And the whole idea was made go from from 65 to 66. And I think it kind of went under the radar to some extent. And I think the fact that it's come up now, Patricia, it's a surprise to politicians. And I don't know why it is, because the the thousands of people that are affected from, from 65 to 66, next year 67, and then as we say, by 2028, it'll be age 68. Thousands and thousands of people who had looked forward to a kind of a happy and prosperous retirement, having worked all their life, for suddenly the rug taken from under them. Yeah, and I know when we started talking about this at the back end of last week, and, and in fairness, we have spoken about this on the programme uh, before over the last number of years, but it's, it was just one of those things because it doesn't affect people, you know, somebody in their early 50s talking about something that's not going to happen for another 10 years, they don't really worry about it, and suddenly they come of age and they realise, oh my God, this is going to affect me. We were talking with a gentleman last year who was saying he has worked all of his life. He started work when he was 14, He's and he's very proud out of the fact that he never si- signed on. Yeah. And he said, suddenly I'm going to hit 65 and they expect me to go on job seekers. Yes, this is it. To go down to an office and to queue up and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a, a huge indignity and it's not right and it's not what should be expected. And I heard a colleague from Age Action talking on the radio yesterday and he was, he was talking again about the, the kind of the lack of respect for older people that you know, that's, this is okay. Well, it's not okay. And I, the whole grey vote is very, very important, as politicians should know. 
John in Ballyclaw was on to us because he got into that situation, retired at 65 and then wasn't able to get his pension until he was 66. He wants to point out how you only get the social welfare for the first nine months. He was then means tested and he said because some people will get a redundancy pay or maybe a long service pay, it goes into savings and it happened to him. He ended up only getting eight euro per week for the final three months and he said now they're expecting people to do that for two years and that's something else that people may not be aware of. And the thing about it is, I was just looking at some of the life of this older cohort. A lot of older people, they're not kind of into kind of the golf and the travel and all of that. A lot of older people <coughs> might have married a bit older. Their children still in college, they still have mortgages. They're still very much in the mainstream of life. What's the, financially, what's the difference between this job seekers that's paid out and the actual pension? I haven't... I haven't at the top of my head, Patricia. I know at the moment it's less, and as I think, as I think, the government are scrabbling furiously now to say that they will make it up and there won't be a difference. There is some difference. Job seekers is lower. And the argument, Anne, that we're living longer and we're living healthier lives, which is terrific, and the state simply can't afford to pay all of these pensions. How do you argue against that? Well. I suppose you, as you say, it began in 2011, 2011 when they began to plunder our, pen, plunder our pension pot. But I mean, that's still very immoral. And the people that have kind of um, paid in all their lives, uh, you know, they still have a right. However, in third age, we've been looking at this in a wider way, Patricia. And we've been looking at the whole area of working, longer working lives in Ireland. And the fact that many people, okay, we are talking about people who want to retire at 65 and now find, will I be able to? At the other end of the cohort, there are loads of people who want to go on working and can't. And when the, the, some of the figures around this are up, very kind of dramatic. At the moment, only 3% of people aged 65 and over are in employment. And the decline begins at age 45. In terms of, there's a lot of hidden discrimination going on in the whole employment industry for older people. And we've been talking to a lot of older people who are wanting to need a tree skill, wanting to upskill, going for interviews, or even trying to get to interviews and, and finding that their older age is... is, is, is um, Going so against them. Going against them. So one of the initiatives, and as I say, this is very relevant to the pension gap, but it's wider. It begins earlier because this whole issue does begin earlier. Um, we're beginning in third age to offer people in Ireland, age 50 and over, a one-day training and reflection day called Navigating Your Work Future. And on this day, it's acknowledging that Ireland is ageing and that the whole job situation is changing and we have more IT, we've more AI, we've all of that. And a lot of older workers are finding themselves discriminated against, are finding themselves finding it a bit hard to keep up. And they want to reskill and they need to reskill and they need to find a way to do that. So our day is offering a day of first of all we're bringing people together um who might have been made redundant. We've, we've, our, our, course, our first course begins tomorrow, Patricia. We'll be in Cork in March. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But we've 100 people coming to us tomorrow in Dublin um, from a whole diverse background. What they have in common is they're all 50 plus. They're all in a kind of a, a last-minute dicky career stage and we're offering them 
information on the future of work, really good quality information from people who are going to be able to help them and an opportunity to come together with peers and reflect. And do you, and do you, I mean, I mean are there jobs out there for people who find themselves unemployed in their 50s? There are. There are, OK. There but are, it's, but it's, it's where you look and how you look. It's where you look and how you look. And it's, it's first of all looking inward to see one of the people I'm interviewing tomorrow is a man who made the career change in his, in his late 40s. He had worked in the motor industry all his life, but he loved food. The bottom <laughs> fell out of the motor industry about a decade ago yeah. and he had no job. And he, he just thought of what he loved doing. He loved food. He's now a chef tutor. Wow. Yeah. Well done. Wonderful, inspiring well done. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK. All right. And back to back to the pension issue. Um, all of the political parties now are, are offering different things. Do you think we will see change after this when the new government is formed? Well, I think they've been really caught napping. This is now, as you say, the... The times before an election are, are, these weeks are very long, Patricia, and anything can happen and the unexpected happens. And I think this is the unexpected story of this election. Older people saying this is not good enough and really taking over the airways and protesting. It's like the, the kind of um, protest they had outside the door years and years ago when something was going to be taken away. So I think the, any new government, government has to take note of this. So, I mean, it's probably going to, to be a good thing in hindsight, that it's blown up and something has to happen. And it will. And um, I mean, money is only sound when it needs to be sound. They're talking about things, uh, both Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, I think, are talking about this transitional payment. Because wasn't there at one stage a transitional payment? Was there? What are you thinking I thought there was before... Uh, if people retire before the age of 65, there was a transitional payment that they could get. something to keep them going. Yeah, and then it was when in 2014, when they introduced the 66, that they came up with this idea of, oh, you'll have to sign on to job seekers uh, instead. Instead, yeah. It's just just, just not good enough, you know. It really, really isn't. And I mean, I'm very interested that you're getting all these calls from people. I mean, that's it. This is this is from the ground up. This is this is people power, really, in in the right way, you know. And I mean, I think older people don't emote all over the place, and they are generally quite reasonable. So if you have people like your callers saying, "Look, this is disgraceful. This is not on," and I feel, you know, disrespected, you know, that's right. You know that it, it shouldn't be happening in this way. And then Mary in West Cork is one of those women who didn't get the full full pension. That's when the changes that were introduced in 2012 oh, came in. And the thousands area. of mainly women got a smaller yeah. pension because they left exactly. the workforce. Uh, Mary had a review, but nothing changed. Ah, bless. Yeah. Um, she's down €23 Euro per week. Yeah. No, that's another disgrace if you've had a small job or something, 15, 16, and, you know, that isn't, isn't significant. And yet your whole contributions are taken over a huge period instead of the, your real career stage. And, I mean, a lot of women particularly have been uh, at a disadvantage because of that. It, it's, uh, now, they did again, put something in place to try to rectify it, and it did help because we, we did, in fairness, had a number of women come on and say yeah. they took part in the review and they got their money back and they got it backdated yeah. and all of that. But I don't it, think everyone... No, I don't no, think everyone, Patricia. No. no. I don't think everyone... Patricia, could I just give you our number? Please if do. Your list, any listener is interested in finding more about our day for them in Cork. The day is the 10th of, of March in Cork. 
We're going to be city centre in Cork, having our navigating your work future. And we it's not up on our website yet because we're just at the early stages of organising. So the number to find out about this is it's our national number. It's O four six nine five five seven seven six six. And we'll take your name and we'll be in touch with you about our, our course in Cork. Okay. And I, I would think, as I say, it's not exactly about the pension gap, but it's very much in that area. Yeah, and it's good to get people together talking as well, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah. That's what we're finding. People are dying to talk. Okay. Because some of the people who are unemployed, currently it's a very lonely place. And there's been a lot of hidden redundancies that we've learned about. Would you, do you get many calls into Senior Line? Uh, on these kind of topics. Funny, well, see, a lot of our older calls have seen around to be worried about their middle-aged sons and daughters, particularly sons. Wow. You know, it's, it's a generation on, but we're all, we're all effective. And why, why, are they wor- why are they worried about their sons? Well, they'd be worried if, if, if some people phoning us in their mid-70s, they might have sons coming up to the 50s and the sons have worked down the Midlands or something and they've made redundant and they're finding it very, very hard even to get an interview. Wow. Wow. Now, an awful lot of people who are made redundant about 50s, and, you know, we do know that in spite of the buoyant employment situation, you know, plants are closing down, things are happening, and these people who are suddenly finding themselves unemployed at this age, it's not a good age to be um, unemployed, which is why they need particular help and they need a particular intervention, which is what we're hoping to offer. Okay. All right. Listen, thank you for that. Uh, Anne, always a pleasure Thanks to talk to you. Thanks for joining thank us. So uh, bye bye. That is Anne Dempsey, Communications Manager with Senior Line and with Third Age. Just trying to explain the background to what's going on with the uh, pensions. And thank you to somebody who has pointed out that the job seekers is 190 uh, euro. Uh, that That's job seekers allowance and then the job seekers benefit is 203. That's the higher. Does it drop to 190 then when it's means tested? But I think the call that came in from... Uh, where is it gone? The call that came in, I think, really sums up how tricky this whole situation is. It was John in Ballyclaw the, who signed on, was forced to sign on, didn't want to sign on and then he signs on for nine nine months and he gets the nine months of the €203 Euro a week which is about almost €45 Euro less than the old age pension but he has to do that for the nine months until he reaches the age of 66 and obviously he's entitled to a contributory pension so he's kind of hanging in there for the year and then at the end of the nine months they come back and say OK, you now move to a dip, different job seekers one. This one, by the way, it's means tested and because he had a bit of money in the bank, a bit of savings. I don't know whether it came from, it was a severance pay or redundancy package, but a bit of money in the bank. And they said, sorry, you're earning too much. It's means tested. We'll give you eight euro per week. Live off your savings. And John is making the point there now with the, if they don't change the system are expecting people to do that for two years. He said now is the time to talk to the politicians about car insurance and house insurance because the government also take a levy from all those payments as well. But I think John in Ballyclaw is making an interesting point. For three months out of that year he was forced to dip into his savings just for living, just to put food on the table, to pay for the electricity, to pay for a bit of heat, to pay his television licence because that wouldn't, his free TV licence wouldn't have kicked in yet because it's important that all of those kick in with the old age pension, don't they? Or do they kick in straight away at 65? Anyway, he still would have had living. He had to live for those three months. If it's left as is, if whatever government get in don't change what's coming down the tracks from the 1st of January next year, it means those 
old, those pensioners, those people who retire at 65, will get their job seekers for the first nine months. Then they'll be means tested. If they have any savings, they'll be dipping into their savings for a full year and three months, which we, which is really, really unfair. So you can see why I think this has so blown up in the politicians' faces. But it looks like none of them really saw it coming. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 don't WhatsApp or keep I'm so used to saying WhatsApp we're still having tech difficulties with the WhatsApp just text 0862 103 103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 And thank you a lot of calls and texts coming in uh, today my apologies I haven't got around to all of them yet but I promise you we'll do our very best uh, but there is one text I see in the middle that I can respond to which is Mike in Bantry wants to know is Peter Dowdell's gardening corner back with us today now he normally takes the month of January off even though we've started even last week getting calls in looking for Peter to come back so we might bring him on we might see if he's available and come back with us next week but we will let you know but he's not uh, doing his uh, Wednesday feature today on the programme but fingers crossed hopefully next week and I just want to move on I will return to your calls and texts coming in but I want to move on to a different issue because next August a group in Skibbereen are hoping to set a new national record for the most tractors gathered in the one place at the same time and to give us more details I'm joined by one of the organisers and that is Declan uh, O'Donovan Good morning to you Declan Good morning Patricia I'm I'm very interested what is the current record for the most tractors in one place? Well, well, it's 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 more than in one place. It's a tractor run. Oh. what it actually is, right? Okay. But um, I suppose it's similar in effect, right? But the current record that we're aware of was in Livingston in the north of Ireland, which is somewhere around three hundred and fifty, three hundred, or sorry, seven hundred and fifty, seven hundred and sixty uh, tractors. So you're hoping so, to do what? Eight hundred? We're hoping to do eight hundred, <laughs> or, or more if they'll come. That's a lot of tractors. It is a lot of tractors, but we feel it's doable. We feel it's doable. And right, how because, how long does the run have to be? Well, we have we've just over thirty four kilometres of road, and we think we're estimating that if we get the eight hundred tractors, we will have about twenty kilometres of tractors. That's allowing. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that would be it. Would be such a spectacle, won't it? To actually see absolutely, that? Yeah, absolutely, it should be. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. Do you have enough tractors in County Cork or are you looking for people to travel from outside? Well, we'd be delighted if, like, we're opening to the country, basically, like, but, but like, um, we're, we're pushing as much as we can in Cork County and in the, in the Kerry as well as in Watford and so forth. But um, we'd be delighted for, for people to travel. I know that there's, there's a number of people coming from the Wicklow side and Leash, um, you know, and there's a couple from, from the Galway side going to come to us anyway. So you'd be hoping that everyone from, from outer areas would bring someone with them. Will you get some vintage ones, do you think? Well, we're opening to everything, um, modern, classic and vintage. So, like, what we hope to target are uh, farmers, uh, agricultural contractors, plant hire and vintage enthusiasts. So, like, between them all, we'd be hoping we'd get it. Like, <clears throat> recently there, uh, uh, Kilbritton, they had a run and they had 539 they did, yeah. there. Yeah, yeah they did, it's incredible. The same, the same day then, Cora Ladies had um, about 80 tractors and Kilnador for a primary school had something around the 90 tractors. So, I mean, like, that's nearly 700 tractors in Cork County in, the, in, in a small area. So, you know, Tra- Tractor owners are great to get involved in these things, aren't they? they? They really seem to enjoy them. Well, they do. I don't know. There's something about tractors. Um, 
and to, to, to turn it out, like, because um, you see guys out at runs there, and I want the girlfriend is in the passenger seat with them and things that well. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's almost a family day out, like, yeah. you know, what it used to be. And I'm telling you, for any little, particularly, I'm not being sexist now, but little boys that are into yeah. tractors, to bring them along to an event like this, to see that many tractors all together will be just such a sight. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, there's, there's, we know young guys there, like, that come to the runs there, and, like, um, they do anything just to get up on the tractor. Yeah, I know, and, you know, I know. And like, and so you're going to try and make it into a, like a family day as well, will you? Well, yeah, we'll 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 hopefully have a few sideshows and things with Skibreen as well, like, um, you know, um, bouncy castles and so forth, like just to make you know entertainment for, yeah. for the younger guys as well, like you know, um, so like we'd be hoping like that you know our charity is Peter House, like, and you know that that would bring a lot of um, people as well, like, you know, so um, it, it's a kind of a, it's a very worthy cause, like, and, terrific, you know, yeah. Yeah, people's people would would come to support it. We hope, and and just to see the spectacle of the eight hundred tractors uh, thundering down the road. And obviously, the fact that it's in aid of Pieta House, Declan, uh, it's also an opportunity, isn't it, to raise awareness of mental health and this unfortunate statistic that we have of the number of suicides in rural areas. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like you know, I, I mean, I suppose we are all aware of uh, mental health in one shape or form. Like, but. Um, Unfortunately, like, you know, I, I would have lost uh, friends and relations and, and, and school colleagues and things there to suicide. And, um, you know, uh, this is something that, that Data House um, really, um, uh, what's the word, counsels for, like, they, they, they yeah. do a lot of counseling for. They've for, saved, uh, they've saved lives. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And, and, like, you know, they have they have something like 8,000 8, people coming to them every, every year and, like, they're, they're in, in um, Shenakeel and Cork there, like, and they've yeah. got 80 people a day coming through their doors and they're ranging from ages from, from believe it or not, five or six years of age to about 80. Five or six, my God. Yes, yeah. My God. So, like, it's, it's, it's a frightening statistic, like, but, I mean, the thing about it, the people about them is they're depending very much on the generosity of uh, and goodwill of people because, like, they're only getting 14% government funding and the rest in the other 86% is made up out of goodwill, donations, fundraising, you know. So, like, we hope we hope that, you know, that we can raise awareness and raise some money for, for Peter House and mental health and, and so on. And how we're doing it there then as well is we've, the IFA, we're very active, like, with, um, you know, farming, obviously, like, and Machlin and Ferma, and they're hoping to push it and promote it through their sectors as well, um, both both their own and mental health awareness for um, for Peter House. Well done, you've got all angles covered. It it really is terrific. Do you need people to register in advance, or, or well, how how are you going to do it? The usual thing, the usual thing with these runs, uh, Patricia, is uh, people come in the morning and they park their tractor and they register and they they. they like the usual thing is twenty euro, but if people want to donate more, to be greatly appreciated. Like, and very often we find people do, depending on the cause and so forth. Yeah. And um, you know, they have a few like refreshments and and that then and go out on their own and come back. That if that if something more substantial, then when they come back. Okay, and it's the second of August, which I take that's the bank holiday weekend, isn't it? It's the bank holiday weekend, yeah. Is that the yeah, Sunday like, of it or the Saturday? The Sunday. The Sunday. The Sunday. The Sunday. Holiday, yeah. All right, we just want to give it a mention so that we can let tractor enthusiasts know that it's happening and to yeah. mark it in, in your diary for the bank holiday weekend. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's great. Like, and we, we'd hope, like, you know, that you might give us a bit of airtime again closer to the well, Absolutely. And that was going to be my parting line to you, Was We'll have yeah. you back on again closer to the event. Yeah, that would be great. Like, and, and you know, 
we'd, we'd give you the details and after um, the event as well we'd let you know what, what, what that would be fantastic so as well. yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be fantastic you're a mighty bunch best of luck with it and we'll talk again close to the time alright God bless take care bye bye that is uh, Declan O'Donovan one of the organisers of that let's see if we can get a new national record for the most tractors on a run and it's on Skibbereen mark it in the diaries please for the 2nd of August Margaret is wondering and I'm assuming tongue in cheek was there not a record set with the number of tractors who were out protesting on the M50 I don't know what the official number of that protest was remember the farmers that were protesting in Dublin last week but by God they brought the M50 to a standstill didn't they I could imagine the people in the cars behind who were trying to negotiate the road home and all of these tractors in front it was quite it was quite a spectacle to see it when what the bits we saw on the news but certainly to see 800 odd tractors around the roads of Skibbereen in August will be it will be a sight to behold it really will so good luck to everybody involved there and of course in the absolute terrific cause for Pieta House who just do the, the most amazing work and long long they make, may they continue and it is shocking to think that the bulk of their money over what, what did Declan say over 86% of their funding of their fundraising for Pieta House must come through fundraising so we can help out by uh, supporting and getting involved in this tractor run. Okay, we've been talking about pensions on the programme and why pen- they, particularly the pension age has become such an election uh, issue. But thank you to somebody, there's no name on this text, who forwarded me, forwarded me on a link to a piece that appeared in the journal.ie that I think really shows for the first time what it is like for people who've worked all their lives and then at 65 they're in a job where they're forced to retire. Sometimes they don't want to retire and then they go to claim what they think is going to be their old age pension that they've been paying into. Remember they've paid into it all of their working lives to discover oh no you have to sign on for a year and then you'll get it uh, when you are uh, 66. And it's been going on since 2014 when the transitional payment was scrapped and people instead were told they'd have to go on job seekers and you know claim the dole basically is how people affectionately refer to it. But this is a really good piece that's written by a lady by the name of Sue Redmond who was a healthcare worker. Now I don't know if she worked as a nurse, a nursing assistant. I don't know what her job with job was, but it doesn't really doesn't really matter. But she's written a really good piece that shows how I think degrading it can be for some people to have worked all of their lives and suddenly to be heading into a social welfare office that they never went into. They didn't even know where it was in some cases. And it reads, I've worked all my life. For 20 of those years, I worked in a department at a major hospital in Dublin. It was a job I really enjoyed and it was a job I was good at. In 20... 17, my contract stated that I would have to retire at 65, but I wanted to stay on for another year. I was told by my employer, however, that I would have to give up my role as a team leader, be interviewed for a new job, which would mean earning less money, and I would be required on an if and when basis, so a zero zero hour contract. This meant management at my work would only call me in when they wanted me, meaning I'd be working sporadically in whatever way suited the department. To be honest, it really wasn't practical. When I finished working, I had to go down and sign on on the dole and apply for job seekers allowance. I had to tell the staff there that I was looking for work or they wouldn't process my claim. This experience made me feel absolutely horrible. You were asked all sorts of questions and I had to bring in bank statements and other documents. I've never had to go through anything like this before in my life. They asked me, what type of work do you want? And I told them I'm looking for anything. So they put me down for shop work. This really made me feel down. I've paid my taxes all of my life and I felt I'd earned a secure retirement. Shortly after, 
the Dole office sent me to workshops and I had to go around all the desks to say I was interested in various types of work. It was a really horrible experience, particularly after you've worked all of your life and then you're put through this after you've retired. I think it's a disgrace that the government want to increase the retirement age now to 67. It was bad enough for me to have to put up with that for one full year and now they're expecting people to do it for two years. They'd have to until they reach the age of 67. These people will be on less money than the state pension and they'll also have to say that they're actually out looking for work. Many people out there are just not able to work beyond their 65 years because of the physical and mental demands of their job but trying to push them to do that is bad for them and for their workplaces. If people feel they can work longer then it should be their choice. I feel so strongly about this injustice that I've actually been working hard to campaign with SIP2 to make the government make the government's plan to raise the pension age to 68 one of the major issues of this election campaign and I think it's working by golly Sue it is the, it's the Stop 67 SIP2 campaign that's my first time hearing about that uh, it's to halt the increase in the state pension has been supported by groups like Age Action the National Women's Council of Ireland and Active Retirement Ireland and that's written by Sue Redmond who is now a pensioner and a former healthcare, wor- healthcare worker but I think it's really for the first time shining a spotlight and what it was like for that year because I always assumed when people hit 65 and they gave up their job and then they had to go and sign on I thought it was just a formality I thought they went in that the people in the social welfare office would know oh you're one of the people waiting to get your state pension sign there and away you go and we'll pay you a lesser sum than you will get on your state pension but there you go for the year and all will be well but it's only now that people are starting to speak out and this spotlight and not before time it's, it's, I think we should have been focusing on this back in 2014 when this first actually happened so well done to Sue Redmond and that's a piece as I say that is published in today's uh, journal.ie online Now staying on pensions Question regarding pensions, Patricia, says Pat. I'm in receipt of a HSE pension, which I got at 60, and also get a supplementary allowance top-up, but can't work. Will this stop at 65? Thanking you. Mm, a HSE pension, is that, a, is that a, a public service pension? Because certainly we've been hearing this morning that people who worked in the public sector are different to people that worked in the private sector. I'd suggest, I don't have the answer for you, Pat. I would suggest that you contact somebody like Citizens Information. They're particularly good at knowing the ins and outs. They will be able to tell you what happens when you reach the age of uh, 65. But certainly when you reach the age of 65, your payment, your old age pension won't kick in until you're, I don't know when you're going to hit 65. If it's this year, it'll kick in at 66. But if it's after the 1st of January next year, then you're going to have to wait until you're 67. Ageism. Is Ireland really ageing? says this texter almost on a daily basis this is a good point almost on a daily basis we're hearing of shortage of schools especially secondary schools 40 to 50 age group is not old and those people can easily get employment in most industries it's the 55 plus age group that's finding ageism bias subtly applied. 65 was never an old age pension age. It was 66 with a transitional pension payment from 65. And you're right. And my apologies, I got that wrong. The, the, there was that state. It was, it was known as a retirement pension, wasn't it? It kicked in for the year. And then it was in 2014 when the pension age rose to 66 that that transition payment was abolished and people then had to sign on uh, instead. Will we be going back to the transition? 
transitional payment if you were to listen to Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael that does seem what they're leading towards I don't know if the campaign to have the pension age left at 66 is going to win or not but if it doesn't I think this transitional payment which will give some comfort I don't want anybody to have to go through what that woman Sue Redmond outlined in her piece in the journal.ie nobody should be asked to be humiliated I mean she really you could sense the humiliation in her piece so if it is a transition payment even if it gets paid slightly less so be it so be it while the government say they can't afford to give uh, any more Patricia it's all very interesting about the pensions but what about children's allowance my daughter just turned 18 still going to secondary school no more children's allowance that was another one of the cutbacks that was introduced before you received the children's allowance until your child left school you got forms filled in um, you know, if your child hit 18 in December and they were going on to do their leaving cert in June form would be filled in by the school and you'd continue to get it but they, that was one of the cutbacks that came in do you know if that was one of the ones with the Troika when all the cutbacks came in or not but yeah it's a one that catches a lot of parents who have school going children with regards to the old age pension says another texter how do people manage when the old age pension was paid out at 70 end of story they were very pleased with what they got and believe me they only got a very small amount but it was much appreciated I suppose times they have they have changed is what people will say on that one Pat says hi Patricia Fina Gaylor like labour they are they don't seem to give anything for the working man no houses no pensions no beds and uh, Tim is critical of Jerry Adams getting his dual pension of 21,000 euro a year that I mentioned earlier if he decides to continue to have an address in County Louth will he also be entitled to a non-contributory old age pension of at least 240 euro a week well if it's a non-contributory it'll be means tested so I don't know if he would be entitled to anything there anyway uh, Sinn Féin are not shy about taking entitlement from the UK and remember says Tim he was an MP for 20 years or so even if he didn't take a seat so does that mean he's entitled to a pension from them as well? If he is he'll be, he'll be doing quite well. 1850 and some of your texts coming in. Marion Skibreen says tell Jer in y'all Sharon Yaw was the lady who contacted us to say that she's on a widow's pension and she wants to know um, what will happen when she's 65 and we were saying to her to be 66 uh, but what will happen because the widow's pension is less and uh, Marion Skibreen says tell Jar she will get a contributory old age pension that's if she's enough stamps I'm slow to say for definite she'll get that but she will get that when she comes to retirement age be it either 67 or 68 depending on when she's due to retire the widow's pension is low says Mary remember because of a Fianna Fáil led government they took 16 euro per week from widows the blind the job seekers the disabled and that was back in in 2009 and 2010 do people remember that and certainly Mary is not forgetting about it. Stan in Watergrass Hill says the system is clearly broken. We've had mismanagement by various governments. The party system is counterproductive. We need a referendum to change the definition of the word treason, says Dan. Treason to knowingly or recklessly to endanger the state. For example, when we joined the EU, says Dan, the government gave away vast swathes of our fishing grounds. Dan won't be voting in this election. If you vote for them, you're only encouraging them. And he said there's very little difference, he feels, between the two parties, i.e. Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. Very hard to separate the two. 
So it saddens me though, I have to say, Dan, to hear you say you won't vote if you're not happy with the main political parties. There are other, there's smaller parties and there's also independence. You know, you, you can affect change, but you need to use your vote and every vote counts. And Eileen and Connor, just a word to the people that are out canvassing, said she feels canvassers shouldn't be out after dark calling on doors. Is anybody else upset or annoyed by the ringing of the doorbell or the knocking of your door with the dark evenings and it is I mean there's a little bit of a stretch in the evening you can see it's just kind of coming up to five it's great but of course if anybody's out canvassing after five it's almost pitch black isn't it are people upset by that um, Ellen and Connor not happy to have people calling to her door uh, in the dark evenings 1850 333 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie The burning of Cork will be the topic for the first public lecture hosted by Duke Astonic Kilty Heritage for 2020 Michael Lenahan will deliver the lecture tonight 8 o'clock in Clonic Kilty Parish Hall and that's actually tomorrow night at 8 o'clock I should say Thursday the 23rd The Next, Kildallery Lotter draws also on tomorrow night. That's in Sheehan's Bar with a jackpot of €4,600. The AGM of Clonakilty Special Olympics Club will be held on Friday night at 7. The venues at Donovan's Hotel in Clonakilty and the AGM will be followed by their Christmas party and a disco. A Hakira Drama Group are staging their play, The Real McCoy. That's also on Friday night at 8 o'clock in Ahakira Community Centre. More chances to see the play on Sunday the 26th at 3 in the afternoon and again Friday week the 31st at 8. Please don't miss it. And Fremont GAA are hosting a grand variety concert next Saturday featuring L. Marie O'Dwyer, the Fremont Choir and Mokra Capers Sketches. Lots of great music, song and dance assured. Starts at 8 and it's in Fremont Community Centre. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And still getting in more texts on the old age pension. A listener says, another pension anomaly. I do not receive the full contributory pension. Therefore, every time in the budget when there's an announcement of a five euro increase in the old age pension... I don't get the full five euro. There's very little spoken about that. And hi, Patricia. I will be 65 this year. So I thought I wasn't going to receive my old age state pension until I'm 67 as the rules change. On the 1st of January 2021, I just heard you saying if a person is 65 this year, they're qualified next year. Can you clarify that? I can. I don't know your exact date of birth, but if you're born on or after the 1st of January 1955, then you get your state pension when you are 67. And then if you're born on or after the 1st of January 1961, it goes to 68. So there's going to be another few years before there's going to be a group of people. Uh, and I have to say, hands up, I'm going to be in that group and we're not going to get anywhere near our state pension until we're 68. So the answer for the listener is, if your birthday was before the 1st of January 1955, then you get your pension this year. But if you're born on or after the 1st of January 1955, then you go to 67. So work out when your birth, you obviously know when your birthday a birthday is, so you'll be able to work it out from there. Now, moving to a completely different issue, coastal litter caused by drinks containers like plastic bottles and aluminium cans has fallen dramatically around the Irish coastline. That's according to Coast Watch Ireland to discuss what is 
a very good news story. I'm joined by Karen Dubsky, who is the director of Coast Watch. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning, and Patricia. You're welcome to the programme. Now, this is the result of your annual survey. By how much has this particular type of litter fallen? So the drinks container, and that's the headline one, plastic bottles and cans, have halved compared to the 2018. So uh, we do the survey every autumn. And for the last five years, we have seen some reductions in drinks containers. But we have never seen a halving. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, and it, this is only for drinks containers. It's very interesting. It doesn't hold for other types of litter. And we'll talk about the other types of litter in, the, in, in, in a moment. Why do you yes. believe we're seeing such a turnaround? Are people finally starting to wake up? This is what, what we think, but we have, you know, this is just our hypothesis. We're now hoping to do an actual study. Two years ago, we did a study to see how many people were actually holding um, coffee cups or, or single-use drinks containers in their hands around Dublin. Just to do this in Cork too, actually. But um, we want to repeat it now, two years later in February, and see if the number, we, what we think is that the number of people carrying drinks containers like keep cups and flasks and so on has drastically increased and that people's behavior have changed. Even if you're only using a single cup or you're, um, you really, far more people are using bins and the whole behavior, the whole attitude to drinks containers has really changed. And what I particularly notice, you'll see it with young people who are begin to drinking their water for their skin and all of that. Uh, to see the amount of young people walking around with their own reusable water bottles. Exactly. And some really funky bottles. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like a fashion statement. Yeah, yeah, it, it, <laughs> it really is great. Just remind listeners as well, Karen, how you conduct your surveys. You, you rely on volunteers, don't you? Totally on volunteers. So we have... Um, a team of regional coordinators so in, in Cork, that would be Bernie Connolly. And then they reach out and we also reach out via social media and um, in, uh, via newspapers and so on and radio to ask volunteers to take on one survey unit or more. And the survey unit is just 500 meters of shore, which you walk at low tide once and you count certain items and everything else, you just say, is it there or is it not there? And uh, then you also look at biodiversity, what animals and plants are there. And those results will be published later on in March. But we just wanted to get the, the um, uh, marine litter information out first. OK, while we're celebrating the fact that the drinks containers are down, talk to me about the other type of litters, because unfortunately it isn't all good news. No, and this is what makes us think that it is a behavioural change in the people causing the drinks container litter. Because when you then go to other categories, like we have a long list, you know, rope, string, um, textile shoes, fishing and aquaculture gear and so on, you see that a lot of those categories have actually disimproved. Uh, only slightly, not, you know, nothing major. But we can see, for example, polystyrene 
there is an up, you know, the little polystyrene bits and pieces which you have in packaging and um, fish containers and so on. That has got worse. Rope and string has got worse. So, um, uh, Ro- you, you have a mixed picture. Okay, rope and string. Is, the, is that abandoned fishing gear? That is um, a wide range of sources. So rope and string can come from aquaculture and fishing gear and, um, you know, it could also be recreational users using rope. So rope and string has just constantly gone up over the years as people have changed from from cotton and hemp and other uh, materials to plastic. Yeah, most of that rope is plastic based, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Virtually all of it now, although there is a beginning of, and then the aquaculture gear, unfortunately, even though, you know, the BIM fishing for litter um, effort and fishermen themselves, I know, are becoming more conscious that fishing in aquaculture gear hasn't improved. It's virtually the same as last year, and last year it became significantly worse. Aquaculture um, waste is really on the rise. Um, aquaculture gear, your fishing gear, you get right around the coast. Okay. Aquaculture gear tends to stay more local. And So where there's an aquaculture industry, you'll find more of the waste. Exactly. And in some areas, so there's a fantastic, and it's, as far as I know, it's only in Cork, where there is the initiative of using cotton stockings for long line mussels. And uh, these stockings, now I'm not sure, I'm not totally up to date and I could be corrected, but definitely when I checked it one and a half years ago, it was still going. So it was local employment making the cotton stockings and they are totally biodegradable. And it is a really super initiative, but it is marginally more expensive than plastic. So plastic stockings imported from China would win against something which is made in Ireland from top materials. So we need to do something. Government needs to do something. Those who want to be elected now need to do something to shift us towards environmentally friendly materials and to make it at least the same price, yeah. if not yeah. lower price, by yeah. some sort of a tax. It's the one thing people will always complain and say, oh, you know, I want to be more, uh, you know, I worry about the environment. I want to be more, more environmentally conscious, but I can't afford to be. It's, it's always more expensive that we, we, yeah. need to, we need to help people to be more environmentally aware. Exactly. Yeah. So if there was a plastic tax and the more environmentally friendly uh, option suddenly became marginally cheaper, yeah. everyone would go for that. Look at the plastic bags. Look what happened with the plastic That's bags. I mean, did we, ever, did we ever think there would be a day where you go to the shops and you bring all of your bags with you? It was just so convenient to yeah. go there. And, and then when we hit people in the pockets and we all realised this was going to cost us, suddenly we, we would never go shopping now without our bags. So uh, one other thing, actually, which um, Bernie said, which I think is is really valuable because it was said in a few other counties as well. If people want to do litter um, cleaning, look um, sort of strategically, where are the areas where a lot of litter deposits? You know, there are these deposit little, like an inchy donny uh, behind. So the beach itself looks lovely. Yeah. And then behind it in a little corner, that's where all the marine, marine litter is dropped by the sea. So if you want to do something good and clean up, that's where you'd go. 
with least effort you get most. Yeah, and it's and in Jidani is a beach I know well, and and I always love particularly. I mean, I don't get down there so much in the winter, but certainly in the summer times, I always make that thing of when I go for the walk on the beach, picking up pieces of plastic as I go along, and it's great. Very to, good. But it's great to see other people. It's kind of now, you know, people automatically you'll see something, just pick it up, put it in your pocket, hold on to it until you get back and 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 put it into a bin. One of the ones I noticed in your report, Karen, and it's a bugbear of mine, is why we are continuing to find so many wet wipes. Are people still flushing them down the toilet? Yes, I just I can't understand this. And that is where, you see, the difference between drinks containers and wet wipes in behaviour, if you want to get a behavioural change, the drinks containers, you now have a funky symbol of, look, I am environmentally friendly and other people can see it. But wet wipes you use in the darkness of the toilet. Yeah. Other people don't see. And I believe strongly that we need a wet wipe tax because the wet wipe, uh, which you see washed up on the beach, is most likely to have also caused a problem in the sewer system. Uh, and it is an awful job for, uh, for men, you know, working in uh, the wastewater business to try and unclog their machines which are full of wet wipes and also they form balls with fat yeah, those, and they cause stormwater overflow. Is it, those, is it a fat burg or something? And, and yes, I know exactly. I saw horrific footage and it came out of London now I have to say but, but oh, the guy the guy who was being interviewed was saying you know that when they're asking for the reasons for it he said that's wet wipes he said that would yeah. have started out as one person's wet wipes and they all gathered together and then the fat all and it was just disgusting what these poor men had to go in to, oh, get, to get rid of but you have the same in Ireland I yeah. talked to various local authority uh, personnel who have it, it and there should be a hefty tax and then that goes back to at least give people, you know, uh, the tax, once the tax is applied, there will be less wet wipe use. It's almost guaranteed. Yeah, and even though you can see, like some of them, they, they say they're flushable. I won't, even if I see flushable on it, I, I, I won't take the risk. I don't, I don't put it down. And you know what annoys me is most people use those wet wipes if you're using them. You're going to use them in a the bathroom. We all have a bin in our bathroom. Just throw it exactly. into the bin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But that is why I think behavioural change can be achieved, and we can see. We hopefully we have the, we don't have the proof yet, but I'm I'm sure with our study we will have it. Where something is very visual, where it is done behind a closed door, uh, you need economic incentives. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's what happened with the plastic bags as well. And yeah. I mean, there's still plastic bags out there, but we've certainly very few. Very there few. Was such a brilliant change, you know, from 27 an average of 27 plastic bags down to between one and two per service. That's bag. terrific. That's Massive. terrific. So we're getting there, but more work to be done. Absolutely, and <laughs> polystyrene the same. Can ask people to avoid polystyrene packaging if at all possible. Leave it be, leave it be. Some of the supermarkets now you can leave it behind, can't you? Uh, packaging in general, yes, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. And like Lidl, for example, they have it even that you can sort it yourself. Yeah. Very good. All right, listen, um, thank you for that, Karen. We look forward to your next uh, survey and we hope the results are even better in the oh, meantime. Conti- continue good luck to everybody at Coastwatch Ireland. Thank you very, very
much, Patricia. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. That is Karen Dubsky, one of the directors of Coastwatch. And well done to all of the volunteers. There's volunteers all over the country, but I know we've some great volunteers here in Cork who go out and do that work so that we can see that we are and a difference is being made when it comes to the environment. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text us to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And a number of people have been on to us since I mentioned somebody who'd contacted us earlier to say they got a call this morning from an 051 number. It came up that it was Carrick and Shore Waterford number on their phone and it was a gentleman with an Indian accent, accent who was trying to give our listener a 700 euro tax rebate. Happy days. Trying to claim their from the revenue she realised straight away it was a scam because he started looking for her bank uh, details as soon as I called that out phone lines lit up like a Christmas tree lots of people have got the calls from our friendly gentleman from some call centre in India claiming to be from revenue 0513476636 is the number that will come up on your phone 0513676633 Adele in Mallow was one of the ones who also received the call but Mary in Mill Street received the very same call but it was before Christmas and that's the time when they try and catch people out when you're spending a lot of money and you think oh maybe I'm due a bit of a rebate so she got onto revenue well done Mary straight away they were aware of the Waterford number but again were able to say that it is a scam so be careful because most of the scam calls look like they're coming from a foreign number but they they're working on it now to I don't know how they're managing to tweak it and, and get it to almost come up on your phone like it is from a local number in Waterford uh, Texas says I received a call from a long number last week and looking quickly without my glasses I saw it was 023 West Cork number I've worked in West Cork for many years and I've got several relatives there so I thought oh it's one of the family but I looked again and then saw it was double zero two three double zero being an international access call and I also knew that the 023 numbers a couple of years ago 88 had been added to the start of the 023 number so then knew immediately that it was a scam call. You referred to a call from the Congo Republic. I found that 23 is the code for the Congo. I've not answered yet and they're unlikely to be waiting for me but watch for the double zero and I'm wondering the 051 number that somebody contacted you about this morning uh, could that be double O? What the five one, but it's not. No, I don't know how they're managing to get around us. They're somehow managing to bounce the call from overseas and making it and direct it through an Irish number. They are very, very clever at what they're doing. And to the person who commented on the pensioners, they were grateful to get their pension at seventy. And why was the age subsequently reduced? You worked until you were 70 at that time, if you were able. And there was an invalidity pension. It was easier to qualify for back then. However, the reason the pension age was reduced first from 70 down to 69, then down to 66, then down to 65. Well, it didn't ever went to 65. There was the pre-retirement pension, wasn't there? Anyway, it was the high mortality rate among that age group in the labour intensive industries. I knew many men in trades, block layers, plasters, uh, women in professional Professions like nurses and physios, cleaners, just to name a few, who were crippled with arthritis, similarly suffered and were usually housebound by the time they got to pension age. Mechanisation has reduced some of the hard labour, but some professions still suffer wear and tear. And I think a number of people have pointed that out, that there are certain people in certain businesses, certain trades and certain industries that have no choice, but they have to retire at 65. They can't keep going. But then there are people in other jobs 
who are, you know, sitting down. The job I do, for example, you could do past 65 and many broadcasters have done it past 65, but it's very different to going out and working on a building site in all kinds of weathers in weathers as well. And it can lead and has lead to things like arthritis uh, for sure. OK, uh, couple, this is an email to Patricia at c103.ie and this is on coverage of the election. If you've been watching various coverage coverage and how politicians interact with each other. And this is, I don't know if the listener wants her name called out or not, so so I so I won't say a female listener who says, Hi Patricia, I tune into the news uh, every day as I like to keep up to date and I sometimes find it, find it very interesting. The other night on the 6-1 news there was a supposed debate taking place from Limerick. It was diabolical. The candidates were all speaking over each other. They all spoke at the same time. They were rude. And even when the presenter, Katrina Perry, tried to put a question to each of them, it was a frenzy of contradictions and downright rudeness. It was shambolic. And none of those involved should be allowed to speak for any party. Then on the Claire Byrne show later on that same night, Saltercare was being discussed. The main parties were more interested in scoring points off each other. Simon Harris at one stage rolled his eyes while listening to his opponent. Childish. This is no, there is no difference in their policies between Fianna Fáil have supported the government for the last four years. They helped to keep them in the draw. It's not only now and it's only now that they seem to be criticising the main issues. Too little, too late. Is rudeness a requirement to be a politician, ponders this listener. What was seen on TV the other night was disgraceful. And yeah, and we've got the leaders debate tonight. Don't forget. And I imagine it'll be a right ding dong. But the fact that there's only two of them, hopefully there will be some. Pat Kenny will be controlling it and you'll get to hear hear people. I don't know why politicians think think it's okay for everyone to be shouting over each other, but they do. And it seems to, I don't know if it's getting worse now. Was it always the case that when you get politicians debating that they'd all be shouting and roaring uh, at each other? And of course, that leaders debate is going ahead tonight. I saw that Micheál Martin has uh, said he is, he doesn't see why Mary Lou Macdonald should have been invited to join because of course we know we've been having this debate between fin- because Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil are the only two in the debate tonight and Micheál Martin the Fianna Fáil leader said that he what did he have to say about it he says that Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are the only two parties that can lead to the next government he said I don't think we should be deciding these issues based on opinion, opinion polls he said the only two parties that can lead a government in my view are Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil uh, the only party that can actually lead he says an alternative government would be his own party Fianna Fáil he said we're the only party that can bring about a change of government uh, now he does acknowledge with other parties junior coalition parties he said I think it is legitimate that there be a head-to-head between both myself and Leo Varadkar in terms of putting an uh, option to the people in terms of the type of government they want from here. Uh, Mary Lou Macdonald has characterised this decision to confine the debates to the two leaders as undemocratic. undemographic. She says huge numbers of people will never vote for Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gage. She said they simply just won't. They'll vote for other parties. And she said, I think in the interest of having a debate that is genuinely a debate, they should have included other voices, but they're not. They're going ahead with just the two tonight. Tell me your texts on this. The only indicator of support our voting strength is the last election, not the opinion polls. So therefore, 
both RTE and Virgin One are right to go with the leaders of the two main parties that are in government at the moment. This is from Tim. Mary Lou would be shown up in the debate. She cannot debate. Ask her a question and she'll scowl at the questioner and give a rambling answer. She never gives a direct answer. That's your opinion, Tim. He who feels Pierce Doherty or Matt McCarthy will be the leader next time round. While Anthony said the government bailout of RTE seems to have helped this undemocratic debate go ahead and the joint parties cartel to avoid champagne being involved is just a continuation of what is happening the whole time. Well the election results can change all that in the future and I hope for one it does says Anthony. Well if you're saying it's because the the licence the bulk of the licence goes into RTE how are you explaining Virgin Media because it's Virgin Media tonight where the debate is on and they don't get anything uh, like the amount that RTE get for from the licence so you can't say that it's a bailout from the government on that one and Breda in Mill Street says Mary Lou Macdonald should be allowed in any debate that will go on are they afraid to hear a few home truths and that is from Breda in Mill Street My lover's got humour She's a giggle at a funeral Knows everybody's disapproval I should have worshipped her sooner if the heavens ever did speak, she's the last true mouthpiece. Every Sunday's getting more bleak, fresh poison each week. We were born sick, you heard them say it. My church offers no absolutes. She tells me worship in the bedroom. The only heaven I'll be sent to is when I'm alone with you. I was born sick, but I love it. And me to be well Amen 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 Take me to church I worship like a dog At the shrine of your life I'll tell you my sins And you can sharpen your knife Offer me that deathless death Oh good God Let me give you my life Take me That's music from Hosier on C103 and that is Take Me to Church. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. And until tomorrow at 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a very good afternoon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.